Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. Thanks so much for joining us. Today we have a really special episode with a a listener of Homeschool Journeys, Jessica Weeks. It's a wonderful talk, wonderful, wonderful interview, and we'll get right into it. But first, if you could head down into the show notes, we're going to have all the links there that she references, all the curriculums, all the programs she uses, a lot of great information. On top of that, we have links to go and leave us a review. We have a link there to leave us a review on iTunes, as well as all the links to our social media and our growing YouTube channels, surging YouTube channel, (laughs) swelling YouTube channel. (laughs) We appreciate everybody. We appreciate the reviews and we appreciate the subscriptions. When you subscribe, that really helps us out. Absolutely. Yeah. It it gets you in your inbox. You know, we we know we're going to get there safe. Yeah. We appreciate everybody listening and we really appreciate Jessica coming on the show today. She has a really interesting perspective. She has two children, one who is who is gifted and one who is autistic and she's homeschooling uh, both of her children and utilizing her local parent partnership program. She's doing uh, juggling that with working part-time at home and her husband who works second shift. So they, they work kind of a a fully shifted schedule. She has a lot going on, but you know, one of the things that really impressed me about her interview is just how I, even though there's, there's a lot of things, I felt calm, like listening to it. Like she was just, her whole attitude about homeschooling was we're going to do what works for us and we're going to make things be what we need them to be. And we're going to take our time and we're not going to rush and we're not going to feel this pressure um, to run, run, run. And I just really appreciated that kind of entire vibe of the interview is we're going to do what's right for our kids and learn at the speed that they need to go and not put so much pressure on ourselves. And if that means that we're homeschooling at night, because that's, you know, we want to be with dad in the morning when he's home, um, then that's what works for us. And that's what we do. And she was going, she was leaving our interview, what at nine 30 at night to go and and read to her kids. Cause that's their nightly reading time as a family. You know, I just loved that, that everybody has their own way to make it work. Absolutely. And I think way to make it work is the best way to put it in and, they found a, a a way of educating their children, their homeschool, that fit within their family's environment and structure and their timing. Yeah. Like, you know, we brought up in the interview with her husband shifted schedule. If they went to a normal school, they would rarely ever see their their dad except maybe on the weekends. And yeah. hopefully he's not working overtime, right? So these type of things allow families to to fit to what their needs are and maximize their time together we have exactly. friends who uh their uh the the father in their family is a police officer and so mm-hmm. his schedule is always different sometimes it's shifted yeah. yeah it's shifted he would be working when the kids would be home and so the days that he's off they can just say you know today's a day off of homeschool and yeah. we're going to spend this time together as a family i love being able to tailor our homeschools to enhance our family time and i know that we do that too on days we when do. i work remotely if i'm able to get all my work done we can say you know what we're taking in the afternoon off we're going to spend time with mom because she's walks, here go to the park ride bikes yep 
I, I love how adaptable and flexible this is, you know, for her having two children at really not only three years apart in age, but then vastly different in um, what their, know, needs are, their needs yeah. are. Right. And finding a way to study one thing altogether and make that work for everybody. Mm-hmm. It was really inspiring. So I loved uh, I loved talking to her. So without further ado, let's just hop right into the interview with Jessica Weeks. Hi, Jessica. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. So we're really excited to have you talk with us today. We got lots of interesting things to get into, but let's start with the basics. Can you tell us about your family and and what drove you all to choose homeschooling? Funny enough, my husband convinced me we should homeschool our kids before we were ever even married. <laughs> oh, word. I know that one. Oh, yeah, the same here. Yeah. We... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. Go on. <laughs> And the really funny part is my husband doesn't remember that conversation and now he's against homeschooling. It's a divided house is what you're saying. It is. It's a divided house, but um, there was definitely a big push with our oldest for me to continue on with that original plan. When she was about three, three and a half, she pretty much put herself through kindergarten, like all on her own. She taught herself to read, do math and you know, so by the time we did that kindergarten intro night that they do at the local elementary school, she had already mastered and beyond their end of kindergarten, you know, goals for the year. And I just didn't feel like sending her to school to learn something she learned when she was three would really be a good use of her time. So, you know, so we've kind of just snowballed from there and just kept going. And that's, how it started and how it's continued. <laughs> and how old are your children now? Uh, my oldest is 11. She turned 11 in February. And then my youngest will be nine in August. Wow. And so, you know, since you were already homeschooling your oldest, you just decided to continue with your younger. And did that, did that go kind of the same way? Or did you have thoughts about maybe putting your younger child in school or, or what was your thought process there? Um, actually, my youngest was a definite homeschooler. She's autistic. She does things her own way. She really resists traditional learning, like it classroom learning. She hates worksheets and writing, sitting still and doing things that they would expect them to do in school. But she loves learning in general. She loves to cuddle in bed and watch documentaries or, you know, just talk to you and ask you tons of questions. <laughs> So she is just a natural born homeschooler. Wow. Mm. Well, what was the, you know, could you walk us through a little bit of the process on that? Like when, when that was identified, you know, how, how did you, you know, learn to pivot to that and, and, and adapt your, your homeschool lifestyle? Like what was that whole process like when you, you know, you find out your, or you look to see that your child is diagnosed? Um, she was actually diagnosed at three and a half. Okay. But we had suspicions since she was an infant. Nothing really changed in terms of any of that. It's just kind of keep living our lives with her the way we have been. And then we just try and add in and cater to her desires to learn what she wants to learn, how she wants to learn it, and try to nudge in a little bit of the traditional stuff, some math here and there, maybe some reading or writing when she's willing. <laughs> um, did you, did you at first try a curriculum and then it kind of crashed and burned or, or did you just always go with this kind of learner led model? 
I started out with my oldest, more traditional, trying some curriculum and stuff. And we still do use curriculum, but not in the way it's written. We kind of make the curriculum work for us. So it's, we use Build Your Library, which is literature based. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one. Yep, that's what we use as well. That's what we use oh, as well. Perfect. So you guys are totally familiar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing how easy that is to cater to each kid. You know, so we do the read alouds as a family and we talk about things. And then, you know, maybe my youngest, she doesn't do the writing or the activity sheets while my oldest does. And um, maybe so the you're science. doing one level together. You're combining. Yes, we are this year. Things are actually going to change for us a lot next year because um, since my oldest was in kindergarten, we also use our local district's parent partnership program. Mm -hmm. So we use that on a part-time basis uh, to take a few classes. And my oldest loves it. She absolutely loves it. She loves taking her classes with her friends and going, you know, a few hours a week. Um, but my youngest, not so much. She does not do well in the classroom, even though I'm there with her. But because I have to be on campus and I have to have her with me, we've tried to get her in some fun classes to fill the day. Um, but next year, my oldest will be old enough to get a certificate of independence. So I don't have to be on campus with her. <laughs> so I'm going to let my youngest drop out and not take classes there. So we're going to shift gears. We're going to go back and do a level of build your library with my youngest and then try and squeeze in a little bit with my oldest as well. It, it feels like it's going to be chaos, but I think we can make it work. <laughs> so how did this year go? I'm, I'm selfishly, we're going to have two that are three years apart as well doing build your library. And I'm going to try to combine levels. How did that work this year? Did you find that it was a struggle to teach to multi-age? Did you did you go with the level that your oldest would have been at and then catch your youngest up or go with the youngest level and then add older things in? You know, you can go kind of go forward or go back. Yeah, we went way forward. <laughs> we actually jumped ahead and started with level seven. Okay. Um, so because the geography and learning about cultures around the world appealed to all of us, a lot more than doing the history levels that my oldest would have been in. And we've done really well. We've swapped out a few of the books that didn't sit well with us. We just didn't enjoy them for whatever reason. But in general, we've really enjoyed it. My youngest does really well with sitting and listening to the stories. And it's amazing the kinds of things that will come out of her mouth after we read something. I mean, she just has the most amazing ideas and thoughts. So I feel like even though it's way above where she would be, because she's technically considered third grade and level seven would be then at least four years above, I think she's keeping up with it really well. Um, she's just not doing all the work. <laughs> right. So you're just tailoring like, okay, we're not going to have you do all the copy work or maybe this report or something, because do you like sub in maybe some more art or you know other things that she could do that aren't like strictly called out in the curriculum that but would be more her level not really I think the only thing we really do for her separate is I do do a special spelling curriculum with her I do we started all about spelling and then of course she does her math but she um just does she does the reading and the discussions with us and even with my oldest because she's taking she's taking three classes at our PPP this year I don't make her do all the projects. 
because she has homework and she's taking two middle school classes at our PPP, which have a lot more homework than the elementary school classes. So it was a bit of a transition year for her. So we're taking it a lot more relaxed and we're just enjoying the reading and the conversations and the thoughts that come with the curriculum. So we'd use it very, very loosely. <laughs> you talked a little bit about the homework. Um, could you talk a little bit more about like, what are the expectations in the PPP for you? Like we're in our parent partnership here and it's, I don't know if it's different or if it's you know, yeah. similar to what, what you're experiencing, what, what would be like the typical, you know, if somebody's listening, who's interested in a parent partnership, what would be the, the workload that your oldest is seeing in those classes? Yeah, sure. Um, so for our parent, for our PPP, it's really actually a great model. It's kind of almost like a university model. They put out a class schedule and each kid picks what classes they want to take. Each class is worth a certain, you know, FTE hours to determine if you're full-time or part-time. And then each class also comes with homework. So if you have a class that like middle school classes are often four or five FTE hours, even though they're an hour and a half to two hours in class. So then the FTE hours are made up with homework. So it, a five hour FTE class with two hours in class will have about three hours of homework a week. So that's, it's really flexible. It depends on the week. It depends on the teacher, what they're learning at the time. Um, sometimes my oldest will have a story to write or some, you know, a big project to do. Other times she's like, yeah, I don't have a lot of homework this week. So it's a little more relaxed some weeks, a little heavier other weeks, but it's really, it's not terrible. I don't think for homework, it's not like a regular school where you get a ton of homework. It's just each class gets their own one to two hours of homework per week. So it depends on how many classes you take mostly. Well, yeah, that's really interesting because I know our daughter is, she kind of did this kind of blended kindergarten level thing this year, but she curriculum wise, we're kind of in first grade, kind of getting to the end of first grade now and moving on to maybe second grade level this year. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking to see what, you know, what type of other work and effort that she's going to have to do. Cause I know I already have a lot of time to, to do homeschool. I, I only have so much time to do homeschool at, you know, during the week and having the parent partnership classes, you know, does eat in a little bit of that time and then to have homework leveraged back, that may be a big burden. Do you find that to be a challenge to balance the parent partnership work with the homeschool work? And is that just kind of a superset or is it like, are you adapting your curriculum to account for those extra hours? What does that look like for you guys? Yeah, it was a really big struggle when we first started out. And over the years, it's been more about me learning how to relax on the homeschool side of it with our curriculum, because I, you know, you don't want to overwhelm them. <laughs> we homeschool for a reason. We want them to have time to explore their own interests and be kids and have fun. So originally I really was, I mean, we had the PPP classes and the homework and we were doing all of that, plus all the extra stuff at home. And then I realized it's just too much. So I've really pushed, pulled back on what we do at home. And so since we're doing the Build Your Library, I mean, we've been on the same level for a year and a half already, and it'll probably take us another year to finish it. <laughs> and I'm, I've learned to be okay with that. That's okay. Um, I think that's a hard thing in general with homeschooling is you want to push through with the curriculum. You feel like you should do a whole year's worth of curriculum in a year. And it's just such a struggle mentally 
Yeah. And overcoming that is the hardest part, I think. No, I, I'm absolutely 100% in the same camp. I, I'm, you know, I'm trying to keep a good cadence and a good pacing and I, you know, see how fast we're moving and I don't want to move too fast because, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want her to not fully understand what we're, we're going through. And so I'm cycling back and doing that. But do you find it to be a little, little tiring to do the same curriculum for so long? Have you seen your kids wane a little bit on that? Um, I, I know we've been doing the around the world for the um, Build Your Library and Torchlight combination, um, kind of around the world study. And I know we've been on that for over a year and I, I'm, I'm starting to like, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to move on to something new. You know, do, do you have any issues around that or is that just kind of moves with the flow of the day? Yeah, um, we've definitely had some times where we're getting tired, but at the same time, I find ways to refresh it. So we'll take pauses to do certain unit studies. And we're actually, after this week, we're going to take a pause from our continent studies and we're going to do a Harry Potter unit for a month. So do you go year round um, is a big question that I always have is, you know, are you able to go year round or do you take breaks? How, how do you account for your whole year? We, yes, we transitioned probably two or three years ago to schooling year round because I find we take a lot of breaks throughout the year anyway. Yeah. So I didn't want to leave a you know, extra break in the summertime. And especially for me, wintertime between Thanksgiving and Christmas is always a hard time to homeschool. It's oh yeah. No, we, we just give up on it entirely. Yeah, we, we learned that one last year. Well. We did the build your library holidays around the world unit study, just so that we didn't have to feel like we were getting behind in our other stuff. Yeah. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a hard time um, between that time. And then January is my busiest work month. So I generally just we really don't do any homeschooling during January. So we have almost like that two month period where it's like nothing's getting done. So instead of summer break, we kind of just take a long winter break and then like a week here and there throughout as we feel we need to. So I feel like homeschooling through the summer allows us to comfortably take breaks throughout the year as needed without feeling stressed or like we need to make up for anything at any time. So when you take this large break between, you know, Thanksgiving and, and the end of, of your busy uh, season for work, you know, what do you mainly have the kids do during that time? Do you pull in like a separate unit study? Do you do some unschooling? How do you kind of cope with that time that can be really busy and you don't have a lot of time to plan? So far, I've mostly leaned heavily on just doing their parent partnership classes and getting that homework done. And that's about as much as I can handle that time of year, honestly. Um, and then for the rest of the time, I just let them do their thing. You know, they have a lot of free time in the winter time to do whatever they want, honestly. And pre-Christmas, my oldest, she loves to like set up the house and decorate with homemade things. So I can account that as school, honestly. I mean, that's our class, man. That's yeah. Our, that's our class. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, she wants, she likes to bake cookies and she wants to do gingerbread houses and plan a Christmas party with her cousins. So I am totally happy to let her have at it. And I call that her unschooling school for the month. And then January is just chaos. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess this is a good time to talk about your work and then your husband's work schedule and, and balancing all that. Could you, could you talk a little bit about what you do and, and how you manage that against your schedule and your husband has an, uh, an unusual schedule too? 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I balance it, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> it's, I, I feel like our lives are just chaos and we somehow manage to make it work. Um, my husband's schedule is very consistent. He works evenings. So he generally, he goes to work sometime between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then comes home either 11 p.m. or 1 a.m. in the morning. So that we can kind of rely on to be consistent for the most part. And then, and we don't do school when he's home because he, you know, he works a lot. So when he's home, that's family time. Don't do school in the mornings, basically. And then my work is actually, I work very part-time and it's mostly very flexible. As long as I get my work done on time and nobody's mad at me, my boss is happy. So that's a good thing. <laughs> um, sometimes I do have to have things done at a certain day in a small period of time. And my kids are luckily really independent and they're happy to go play and do whatever for a few hours when I need them to. So it works out somehow. I don't know how, but it does. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm sure it can be very stressful, especially with a shifted schedule like that we have some other friends who are homeschooling as well. And the husband kind of has a a less dependable schedule than what you have. And he's kind of shifted all around and it can be, you know, be a little frustrating over time. Do, how do your kids handle homeschooling in the afternoon and the evenings versus the mornings? I I find that mine is the best in the morning, you know, is that their best time as well? Or are you kind of conflicted there? No, actually, my husband's had this schedule since our oldest was six months old. So the whole family is really on a later schedule. We've adjusted to it really well. My oldest is also not a morning person. She is totally her mom there. She takes like three hours to actually wake up. (laughs) So I'm not good in the mornings. My oldest isn't good in the mornings. So I actually like that we just don't do anything in the mornings and then we use our afternoons and evenings for schooling it seems to work really well for us I know it doesn't work well for a lot of families they're more morning people that's where they're refreshed they've got the energy and we're kind of the opposite we do you know some of our country or continent reading in the afternoon and then math and sometimes spelling in the afternoon just to get that nailed out and a lot of times we finish up our evenings with our literature reading before bed. And um, usually I start that around nine, nine thirty. Sometimes we go until my husband gets home from work too. Wow. And we're, it's just normal for us at this point. We're all used to it. How, how do they handle the, the parent partnership classes? You know, are, are they sometimes early in the morning or are you specifically picking classes that are, that align to your guys' schedule? Sometimes I know the parent partnership can be kind of like, like I know with ours, we're, we're bait, waiting on bated breath for the classes for next year. And we know they're probably going to be like nine or 10 in the morning. Do you run into those problems or has it been pretty flexible for you guys? Yes and no. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they start this year, the earliest classes started at 10. And so we have two days a week that we're there at 10 a.m. And it's those mornings are a little rough, but mm-hmm. my kids are actually really good about getting ready to go fast. So I don't have to wake them up until about 8.45 in the morning. And then we leave about 9.45, 9.40, and we get there just in time. So we don't have to wake up too early. So we manage it pretty well. 
but yeah, sometimes when they were earlier, it was a little rough. (laughs) It must be so nice that, you know, because you homeschool, you can, you can work around the fact that your husband has the shifted schedule. You can shift your whole family life later without having to be, you know, kids up and on the bus at seven. Um, That must be so freeing uh, for your family. Yeah. I think um, it's definitely a huge blessing for our family too, because especially when my husband is working weekends on top of all week long, if my kids went to public school, they would never see their father. Yeah. I was, I was just trying, I was just thinking this, your schedule in my head and like, they would never see him. It's wild. Yeah. So it's great that you're able to, to, you know, shift this so that they can spend time with their dad you know, and that works for your family. But you said right up top that your husband's not really very supportive of homeschooling. Can we like talk about that a little? How does that, how does that work? You know, is it, he just feels uncomfortable with it or, um, you know, does he want them to go back to school? It's a tricky one. He, he supports the fact that he believes that I'm doing the best thing for our kids but he also has doubts. He feels like they're missing out on some of those traditional school experiences. And I love my husband to death, but I think he's also out of touch with what school is for a lot of kids. Growing up, he loved school. He was a great student. He had a lot of friends. You know, he played all the sports and it wasn't like that for me. So we come at it from a different perspective right off the bat. And then with the way schools have changed so much, even in just the last couple of years. And I don't think he's keeping up with that, if that makes sense. So he doesn't see the hard times that kids have at school the same way that I might, like if, you know, if you're in one of the parenting groups on Facebook and you hear all these complaints that the moms are having, or like my oldest, she's actually in the high cap program for our district. And I've gone to a few of those meetings and I've talked with some of the moms of high cat kids and they'll talk about how their high cat kids are just shoved out into the hallway to do independent work because the teacher can't teach them. They have to teach everybody else. Or you talk to moms of kids with IEPs who are autistic or dyslexic or this or that and hear their struggles. And I just think, how could any parent, you know, with these kinds of kids want to put their kid in these schools, but he doesn't see that like I do. I hope that all makes sense. <laughs> that must be really, really stressful. Um, you know, trying to, trying to juggle kind of your experience with, you know, what he thinks they're, they're missing. Is it getting easier through the years as they continue to grow? Or do you think it's something that you're going to have to tackle? I mean, definitely when people think of those just, um, you know, the quintessential high school experiences, that's or quintessential school experiences, excuse me, it's high school that they usually think about. Do you think that that's like going to come to a head then, or maybe the proof will be in the pudding that your, your kids are doing so well with this, you know, other program? Um, I think it's kind of always going to be a struggle. The partnership program definitely helps. And there was some kind of back and forth with my youngest not going next year. And he didn't really fight me hard on it, but he also knows that if he did, probably wouldn't win the fight. (laughs) I don't want to make that sound like I'm a mean parent or a mean wife, but I'm just trying to do what's best for my daughter. And she doesn't want to go. She struggles in the classes and I don't feel it's worth making her go. Um, So that was a fight even just this year after all the, you know, we've been homeschooling for what, 
six, I want to say five or six years now. So it still comes up when there's a change or, you know, he might make a comment, you know, about, gosh, the kids really should be doing X, Y, Z, like normal school kids do. But it's, I don't know, it's tricky. It's a tricky balance. Yeah, that's a hard one. <laughs> so when, when he talks about those experiences and whatnot, it's, are, are these typically sports or is it a certain type of science and education type of thing? I know there's some concerns around that that people are worried that they're not like you can't to, do chemistry. Yeah, at home. I can't do chemistry at home or, you know, I'm not dissecting frogs in the kitchen type of thing. Um, or I, you can't participate on the football team. Are those some of the concerns that they might have? You may have. His are actually more general, like the okay. classroom experience or so. oddly enough, like even like the bullying side of it, where you have to deal with those kinds of mean people and learn how to deal with that. And um, like I'm a youngest doesn't do well in classes. He thinks that we should push her to do more. And he hopes that by forcing her to take these classes that it will help her overcome it somehow. I and I just, you know, with being with her in the classroom for a few years now, I don't see that happening with her. And I would rather give her the space to develop at her own pace while he would rather try and push it. He thinks that exposure is helpful instead of allowing her to recede back into her own way of doing things. Is the parent partnership a nice compromise for that? Yes. Yes. It has definitely okay. been a really nice compromise. Um, it's going to be different with my youngest not doing it next year. I'm actually excited for that to just get to fully homeschool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, my oldest absolutely loves it. So she's just going to keep up with it. And she's going to add more classes next year too. So mm -hmm. it's been a great compromise for both my husband and my oldest. And she gets to take some classes that I might not teach her or might not do as well at teaching her. She can do a writing class or a Spanish class. Or I think next year she's even taking like a home ec style class. Okay. which of course I could do at home, but it's not always as fun to cook something with your mom as it is with your friends. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't <laughs> want to learn to cook at all. When I was a kid, my mom kept trying to teach me and I just like wanted nothing to do with it. I, I wish I had paid attention. Well, I, I know, I know for certain I, I couldn't do Irish step dancing or sewing. So right. <laughs> the things our daughter's taking in our fair <laughs> partnership. So, so since you're going to be uh, completely homeschooling your younger uh, child next year, so can you talk with us a little bit about where you homeschool in, in, in your house? Do you have a dedicated room or do you do the dining room? Like what does your homeschool space look like? Yeah, we don't have a dedicated space. We mostly do it at the dining room table and that is mostly a kid's request. It's big. They can set up all kinds of activities on it. They can let them play with their Legos or their Play-Doh while I read there's plenty of room for them to just cover it in projects. <laughs> I'm sure every homeschooler knows how that goes. Exactly. It kind of sprawls throughout the house. We have a dedicated room and we, we homeschool there occasionally, occasionally. but yeah. we mostly, it sprawls everywhere. Yeah. It's, it does. Either, it, yeah, it's either living room or kitchen table. Yeah. yeah it takes over your yeah. house. It, it really does. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, we homeschool at the counter for doing a messy project art or science. We, my kids have an art desk and they still will want to do art at the kitchen counter. Um, <laughs> so, so if, since you do it in this common space, do you have like rolling trolleys with your supplies or some dedicated bookshelves or how do you, 
how do you kind of manage all of that? Yeah, luckily the way our house is set up, it's very open, which is really handy, but we do have in our dining room, we've got, you know, we've got the big bookshelf full of all kinds of books. And I've got, I bought the Target plastic drawers that I shoved against the wall under our counter where the stools would go. No, it's homeschooling supply. <laughs> <laughs> and those are full. And we recently got one of those rolling trolleys as well. So yeah, it's just homeschool stuff everywhere. It takes over literally the whole house. <laughs> we're proud of our homeschool. We people walk in, they look all over. We're like, ah, there's homeschooling over here. Homeschooling yeah, over there. Where, 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 we're homeschooling. Yeah, <laughs> we got it everywhere. Yeah. Um, with you know, with, with this kind of dynamic homeschool environment, and you're having the parent partnership, and then you're now your two children are going to be split from that. How do you plan your week, your month? You know, are there any tools you use? Is the paper and pencil? You know, how do you account for all of that to stay on schedule and make sure you, you know, you, you meet your swimming class on time and, and whatever it might be. Yeah, that was a new one for me. Once our schedules really started getting heavy. In fact, um, before COVID hit that 2019 to 2020 year, my oldest was taking five classes at our PPP wow. and taking, I can't like four dance classes. And then also doing, and my girls also do Girl Scouts. So it was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, and I had a dry erase weekly um, like planner thing on my fridge. It was just a big magnet and that worked for a while. But at the beginning of this year, last year, end of last year, I finally broke down and went with a paper planner, especially since my workload increased also. So I needed something to help me organize when certain work stuff needed to get done for me, when each kid has a class, when there's this, that. And the planner I use also has something that I love. It's got a little section where you write in, and I think it has seven sections. So I have like seven different subjects I can write in. And then it has a grid afterwards. And the grid is like Monday, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So if once we do a subject for the day, I just make a little check mark in the grid for each kid and they each have their own color. It's color coded. And um, so just at the end of the week, I can look back and go, wow, we actually did all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so that's helped me a lot, not only to stay organized, but really realize that even when we're not intending to do a lot of learning, we really are. So that's boosted me also. So it's helped me stay organized and boosted my homeschooling, I, I don't know, I'm at loss for a word for it right now, but confidence, I should say it's boosted my confidence. So how do you deal with, uh, you know, how far ahead do you plan and how do you deal with things when the plan needs to change? That's always what I use. I use a digital planner. Cause I'm always like, I want to be <laughs> flexible. Like, and, and once I put it in pencil, even pencil, it's like, Oh, now I gotta erase it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I I do have my digital planner too. I've got my Google calendar on my phone. It yells at me many times a day to remember things. And it's easy to change that. And I'm okay just taking my pen and crossing things out in my paper planner. So you've made made peace with it. Yes, I've made peace with it. That's where, that's the place I need to get to. Just make (laughs) peace with the cross outs. It's hard. It is. It's hard. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't plan curriculum wise in my planner. 
So that's probably where it makes it easier to feel comfortable crossing things out. Like if my kids have to miss dance class, it's usually because they're sick or it got canceled. So I'm like, nope, we didn't go. (laughs) So when it comes to curriculum planning, do you use something different or do you just kind of take the, we're going to do the next page in the book or the next, uh, you know, the next build your library country or, uh, you know, what comes next? Or do you plan that somewhere else? Yeah, I don't plan that at all. (laughs) Um, As you know, because build your library has the schedule for you. So we just work at work through their schedule at our own pace. So that way I don't have to plan homeschooling. I just look at my, I print it out and I look at it and I go, and I highlight as we go through it. So if it's highlighted, I know we did it and I know what to do next. So it just keeps that easy for me to just flow as we need. Oh, that, that's, that seems very reasonable, especially with such a busy schedule. Do you have something, I mean, maybe other than your planner that you can't live without? in your homeschool space, you know, for me, I always like to joke. It's the crates. Yeah. We do books and crates. Everything's in crates and everything's (laughs) organized via crates. And I just, I just pull out of the crates. Do you like Ariel, Ariel makes me binders, but really the binders just sit there and I I just use the crates. (laughs) So so, like, what, is there something for you guys, like maybe a computer or maybe some technology? I feel like honestly, for me, it's my printer. word we have got one of those eco tanks it is amazing i don't know how anybody can homeschool without a good printer i just i love it yeah and i um a few years ago i upgraded to a color toner printer from a black and white one oh i'm in love so so what do you use the printer for everything <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so i print out all our build your library guides I can't I can't stare at a screen it hurts my eyes to stare at the screen more than I have to so I print it all out Uh, we buy I have some brave writer um, like literature guides and a writing curriculum that I printed out this year we're trying out I don't know if you've heard of glitter bombers yeah glitter bombs it's like a art right yes yes we um we joined that earlier this year it was kind of half birthday present to my oldest because she's my artsy fartsy kid and their their art guides are just beautiful in color. So I print them out and we can do them whenever we need to. It's yeah, I love my printer. I print everything. You know, this week I've actually been using the printer a lot a lot as well. The the younger one wanted me to print off Anna and Elsa printing sheets and, and color color. And sheets. then I, I, I said, well, maybe maybe I could use that. And we're doing um Eastern Africa right now. So I was like, oh, we're going to be in Tanzania. Let's print off some coloring pages for like Mount Kilimanjaro and things like that. So I've actually been using the printer a lot this week. So I, I totally understand that's a, it's a wonderful, you know, little tool. I, I know we, do you guys use the library a lot? Like I know we use it a lot. We use it to print things. We use it for resources. You know, how much does the library feed into your guys, you know, homeschool? Yeah, we have a dedicated library box on our coffee table. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hear it. We, we have a crate and a special bag. I got a special bag for Christmas. And the moment I opened it, I was like, it's my new library book bag. I knew it. I just knew it. I was like, I need something that is like double reinforced. <laughs> I could actually like, I could fill it to, you know, to bursting and it would not break. That was like, that was my request and he fulfilled it. <laughs> Yeah, we do definitely do regular trips to the library. Those are, I try to make those um, a lot for fun. I've, so far, I've pretty much bought all the books that we need for our Build Your Library level that we're doing this year. Next year, I'm going to try and utilize the library a lot more, though, because they have all the books for level one. Mm -hmm. 
at our library, which is the level we're going to be doing. And yeah. I, I don't, I'm running out of room for books. <laughs> I, I feel this in my soul. Yes. We're going to be doing level one next year as well. Um, and we have, I, I have bought many of the books, but I'm now wondering, like, I don't have that much more space left. So yeah, that's the hardest part. I feel like just all the books and you don't want to stop buying them and you don't want to get rid of the ones you say you don't need anymore. Cause what if you need them again? we're we're not pack riders we're curators of excellent literature book hoarders i mean there's it's not a problem unless you admit it's a problem don't worry about it hey just buy another bookshelf that's what we do go to ikea get another bookshelf what do you got just another calyx that's all right (laughs) i don't have the room for it i wish my my 11 year old has two bookshelves full of books her nightstand is full of books. And she has three of those um, office filing boxes stacked in her room full of books, plus the books on her bed, the books on her floor. <laughs> uh, we've got books under our bed, books under mm-hmm. our youngest daughter's bed. Our older daughter's got a bookshelf in her room and we've got <laughs> books and crates all over. I, I, I hear this. I so hear this. You know, we're talking a lot about dead trees. Have you you know, what type of technology do you use? Do you guys have laptops? Do you have e-readers? Do your kids like reading on screens and things of that nature? You know, how, how does that look for you guys? Yeah, we do use electronics, mostly for math. My kids prefer to do math online. They're not big fans of reading much on electronics. They do have like the Kindle paper by it, mm-hmm. but they generally seem prefer paper books. I know it's so, a lot of dead trees, but I try to buy used a lot. No, that, that's interesting. Cause I, I've been wondering if, you know, the younger generations, if they're going to like, you know, reading on devices. I know for me, I made the great switch to, I read on my phone and so it's everything I need. It's all right here. Um, I made that big change a long time ago. So like we have the print books, but they're there just a lot of times for show. And then sometimes when I want to not look at the screen periodically, but I've been wondering if, if e-readers in the homeschool space are going to catch on, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always interested. I think it's nice. You can take it with you, but uh, I, I think there's something about a physical book. That's exciting. So you said you're doing math online. What, uh, what program are you using? My eight-year-old has been, uh, she uses prodigy. Okay. She's been enjoying that one lately. And right now my 11 year old, she was doing prodigy for a while. We really slacked on math for about a year. So she had Prodigy to kind of refresh on some of the higher level, like long division, you know, the things that nobody remembers how to do. (laughs) (laughs) And um, she's feeling more confident now. So she's um, back into her pre-algebra curriculum. She's doing art of problem solving. She's trying that one right now. But math is a hard one, I think, for so many because it's so individual and you don't want them to hate it. Mm -hmm. So I'm very much you know, whatever makes you happy, right? <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of those type of challenges, have you run into any, you know, we've all been dealing with our own challenges over the last two years or so with COVID and whatnot. Have you come run into any challenges, you know, with two children, homeschooling, you know, middle years, you know, middle grade, you know, late elementary or, you know, middle school level. Um, what type of challenges are you running into that are unique to you that maybe you can help others with? That's a good question. (laughs) It really is. I feel like um, 
right now we're at a pretty good groove, but there's definitely been challenges along the way. There's always challenges along the way. Mm-hmm. And I know um, when COVID hit and everything shut down, we really shut down a lot too and mm-hmm. dropped the homeschooling. And I think getting back into that was hard for us. And I expect um, with my oldest being 11, that the hard part's really going to be coming up <laughs> in the next few years. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Are you, are, are there specific, um, challenges that you're kind of foreseeing and, and thinking about like how you're going to tackle them now in the, as you know, you move into middle school and high school? Yeah, I think I'm mostly worried about high school and making sure that she's able to get into the colleges that she wants. And so we're kind of trying to plan a path or make sure there's a good way to make that work for her. Um, for a long time, she's wanted to be a vet, which of course is major schooling, mm-hmm. major, major schooling. Um, she's considering now doing something else. She was thinking about maybe being a midwife. So there's still flexibility. Maybe things will change in the future, but either way, that's, that's a little bit, a lot, you know, a lot of schooling that she's going to have to do. She's going to need to make sure she can get into a college or university. But I think that's my biggest fear is that I won't make it happen for her somehow. Is that something that you get, you're going to get assistance from your, your parent partnership with, I mean, as you kind of move into the high school years, right. They're going to help to, to make sure that she's prepared and leaving with, you know, an equivalent high school education to, uh, you know, another public school or even running start. Yeah. Right now, our parent partnership program actually only goes up to eighth grade. Okay. Uh, okay. So I'm, I'm hoping that they will extend it as they get more younger students going up, but their, their high school levels dropped even long before COVID they quit doing high school. Cause I think a lot of students that went there just went on to different paths when they hit high school, maybe they went to high school full time or they started doing running start, but they just didn't have the high school numbers. So I'm hoping that changes, but if it doesn't, she totally is wanting to do running start like as soon as she can but I think that's my saving grace is that she wants to do running start um it helps me relax a little bit because I know that at least if she's doing running start she'll get those college classes that will count for high school credit and I think if you do your two years of running start full-time and get your associate's degree it also counts as a high school diploma yeah, I think yeah they, you get they your diploma and your associates day, right? yeah, yeah at the same time yeah exactly that's right yeah so I mean high school is just my biggest fear homeschooling and I, I'm sure it's kind of a silly fear but it's a fear I think for most of us well I think that's when everything gets serious right everything you do before <laughs> high school no college really cares they don't care how what kind of grades you got in middle they're school they're not asking for your fifth grade transcript yeah they don't care but then high school yeah. starts to all of a sudden high school starts to really matter and the not just the classes that they've taken but if they volunteered if they played sports all those other intangible things now it all starts to be like for credit And I know, but I also know there's many alternative paths to getting to university. I'm actually dropped out of high school at 17, but I have a bachelor's degree in accounting. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, there, there are lots of paths. And I think that, you know, schools, uh, as opposed to when we went to school, schools now are used to seeing lots of, of homeschool kids applying and being very successful. So I think it's definitely changed the mark of what they're looking for, um, and I think with COVID and so many students doing some portion of homeschooling, there's a yeah. lot of kids that are 
started and are staying. I, I think that the the coming incoming classes in the next few years are going to have a higher percentage of kids that have some Home, some or all is going to be on the transcript. Yeah, yeah, some or all of their high school will be homeschooling. Yeah, I think yeah. that's probably very true. Um, I think that is true. Yeah, we've been talking about the kids. We've been talking about educating them. You know all the challenges and everything. What about you? You know, I always want to talk about the educators because most of the people listening to this are the educators. Um, how, how did you transition into being an educator? Did you were you a little bit of afraid of that at first? You know, was that something that you naturally kind of took up, um, or was there some challenges there for you? For the most part, it was a pretty easy transition. Honestly, though, the biggest challenge for me was the time with which I had to transition into not just mom, but educator or facilitator of an education. Mm -hmm. I'm very much more a relaxed, I believe, in delayed formal education um, for kids, unless they you know, want it, of course. So I'm like, oh, I won't worry about teaching my oldest to read until she's, you know, like seven, if that's what she wants. And then she came to me just after her third birthday and was like, mom, can you teach me how to read? And I was just caught totally off guard. I'm like, uh, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) We have an almost three-year-old. Cause I can imagine if she walked up and like, I want, I want to read now. Like, okay. (laughs) I am not prepared for this. So I just, I did, you know, I did my quick search online about a good way to teach kids to read. And I found the teach your child to read in a hundred easy lessons book. Yep, I was like, Oh, too. great. It's got great reviews. It's only $20. We can do it. I bought it off at Amazon and we started working on it. And by lesson five, she was just in tears. Yeah. Yeah. She'd see the book boring. and she was in tears. I'm <laughs> like, well, this isn't, this is not how I want to teach my children. <laughs> no. We had the so same we, experience. Same experience. Same. Yeah. So I, I tossed that one aside and I'm like, okay, give me time. I need to research a good one. Cause I'm like, I can't teach you how to read. I love you. And I'm, I can read, but I'm not prepared to teach it yet. <laughs> and then, um, I actually found her reading eggs mm-hmm. online and she loved it. Absolutely loved it. My husband and I would wake up in the morning when she was three and a half and she would be on the computer doing her reading lessons all on her own. So, and at least that helped. It helped some of the burden of trying to teach her to read because I'm like, she loves it. She does it herself. Mm-hmm. Now I have my time to try and transition into being more of an educator for her. But yeah, that was the hardest part that just sudden, way sooner than expected, teach me moment. Absolutely. Mm, I can, I, yeah, I can totally empathize with that. So, you know, now you've been homeschooling for, uh, well, I guess what, six years, um, you know, you've, you've gone through a lot of ups and downs. What do you think you wish you would have known at the beginning? What would you say to new homeschoolers who haven't, haven't embarked on this yet that you kind of wish you had known then? Biggest one I always say is relax. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. You don't need to jump right in with both feet and go gung-ho, you know, six hours a day doing all these lessons. It's okay. Take your time, relax, focus on your relationship with your kids. That's a huge one because when you're with them 24 seven, there are those days that, oh man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. But then, there's, then there are those days that are just magic. And I, I think yeah. that, you know, what you said about connection with your kids is just, it's so huge. I feel like we have a connection with our children that I don't know that we could have had with them under different circumstances, or maybe it just would have looked differently. It wouldn't have been the same connection, a, a different connection, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if my kids were in school, it would be so much harder, especially with my oldest being a preteen and, you know, those fun beginning puberty years, we definitely have our moments where we butt heads and she's got her attitude. I've got my own attitude, (laughs) (laughs) but because we're together so much, we have more time to also get over it and move on and repair. We can have our moments where we're really just going at it. And first the silliest things, of course, because both my children are female and they both have very strong opinions about things, just like their mother. But we go, we butt heads, but we're able to talk through it, move on, repair. And, you know, an hour later, we can be cuddling in bed and reading a book. And I don't know if we'd have the time to go through that full cycle if they were in school and then we had to do homework and mm-hmm. brush through dinner and then do bedtime. So they're refreshed in the morning for school the next day. And I just, I don't know how it would look if we had to worry about that on top of everything else. Yeah, I, I feel that it gives really. you more space. Yeah, it, it does. And there are times when we we too can let our daughter go kind of cool off and then we come back around and you know we we are able to reset and, and re um rebalance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I don't know that we would have the time with all the other things we would have to do with getting homework and bath and getting to bed on time, getting up for the bus and all those things. Um, yeah, I, I really agree with that. That's, I think that's very insightful. Well, this has just been so much fun. I, I've had a great time yeah, and I think, uh, you know, it's just uh, been a joy to hear your story. And I, I know that this helps other parents, especially new parents listening about what their lives could be like for those people who might, you know, have a spouse that works second shift and, you know, might have children with, with differing needs. I think this was really helpful. So thank you so much for your time. We so appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And hopefully my chaotic life is inspiration for somebody. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's good because everyone can see bits of maybe bits and pieces of themselves. I saw bits and pieces of myself when, when you were talking, we did the whole parent partner stuff. Well, that's that's my life now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just a lot of your comments, you can't see us here, but we're nodding as you were, as you were talking like, yep. Yeah. Oh, we know that one. Yep. And and that's what this is really about building that sense of, of community. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're not crazy and we're not alone. So we're not that crazy. We're not that crazy. So we appreciate you taking the time and putting yourself out there to, to give us this interview today. Yeah. And I I hope it does help, especially, you know, families starting out that they do this and you're getting started and like, oh my gosh, we're failing. We've got to be failing. This is chaos. And we, my kids won't do this and they won't do that. And then hopefully hearing that, no, chaos is normal. At least it is for me. It's my normal. And I think it's normal for a lot of homeschoolers and, you know, it Daily is too. Battles. We try not to put it on Instagram, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's all smiles on Instagram. No, nobody puts those crazy chaos as, moments on. As Instagram demands, only smiles. <laughs> Come on, put the chaos on there. People need to see it. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together Podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time.
Happy homeschooling!